You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to welcome a woman whose personal brand I admire and respect a great deal. I've been following her business for some time now and was really pleased when I reached out, cold email, and she accepted my offer to be on the show. So let me go ahead and introduce today's featured guest, Courtney Sanders, better known as Think and Grow Chick. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. And, you know, I got to give the people a little taste of your bio just to, you know, let them know how great of a businesswoman you are. So let me just read that. So Courtney is an entrepreneur, speaker, and goal achievement specialist. Through her training and development company, Think and Grow Chick LLC, Courtney provides online and in-person education mentorship and community for women, students, and minorities looking to accomplish big goals. Courtney reaches nearly 50,000 young professionals every month through her blog and social media platforms. In 2015, she authored the book, Get What You Want, The Ultimate Guides of Figuring Out Plus Getting What You Want in Life, which has since served as a catalyst for several related trainings and programs, including her 2015 live workshop, Launch Your Life. And she's currently on a national tour with finance coach Dominique Broadway called Your Wealthy Year. So welcome to the show, Courtney. Go ahead and fill fill in the rest. (laughs) Tell us more. Tell us what I left out more about who you are and your background. Oh, my goodness, man. Um, Well, one major thing that's happened since I um, even wrote that bio was I was invited to speak at the White House to talk about my business and journey, which is like, ridiculously insane like I still can't even believe that happened and um, it was really funny too because they were interested in um, learning from entrepreneurs who graduated from HBCUs you know just how um, we've been able to you know grow businesses online and see some success and so I feel like it's a perfect segue into how I even got started in this uh, because like like most crazy stories for young adults they start in college and mine was definitely no different. Yeah, I remember, you know, I've read and and been following your blog for some time. So I was really inspired by that. Like you kind of had this this doubt, like absolutely low moment and we're able Mm -hmm. to bounce back from that. So talk to us a little bit about that. How did you even get started on the Think and Grow Chick path? Yeah, so um, I, when I graduated from high school and went to college, I had a full ride scholarship to Howard University in engineering. And I kind of always knew I'd be an engineer. I was groomed for it. Um, I grew up in the metro Detroit area. And so since the fourth grades, my parents were putting me in um, like pre-college engineering programs because I displayed a good aptitude for math and science. And they're like, oh, what? You know, this young black girl is good at math and science. Like, you're going to be an engineer when you grow up. Um, and so in Detroit, all the Motor City, obviously, all the um, car industry, they promote heavily engineering. So it was just kind of like a path that I always knew that I would be on. But um, it wasn't long before I got to school and I realized that it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, I, I felt that it was interesting, but I just in terms of just my creativity and the lifestyle that I wanted to lead with my career, I just was looking for something different, but I wasn't quite sure what that was and how I could best use my skill set. So I kind of went on this, um, you know, we'll call it uh, soul searching, but perhaps my professors might call it just skipping class. And so... <laughs> 
<laughs> I was uh, skipping class and spending a lot of time in the business school. And um, one day, Lisa Price, the owner of the hair care and beauty brand Carol's Daughter, was on campus sharing her story. And I remember sitting in the audience and just being mesmerized by this woman and just, you know, everything that she went through, even her trials and tribulations sounded like, oh, man, I would love to, you know, run out of product because uh, I oversold it or, you know, have people mad because they're not getting their orders. Like, those sound like amazing problems to have. So, um, afterwards, after the uh, speech that she gave, I went down to the front of the room to ask her some questions, and there was another um, young woman who was asking very similar questions to what I wanted to ask. And so listening to her, I had already gotten in my mind that I wanted to start a business, and it's kind of one of those game-recognized game moments. So <laughs> actually, instead of turning um, and speaking to Lisa Price, I actually turned to the young lady who was asking questions, and I was like, yo, game recognized game. Like, what's up? You trying to start a business too? And she was like, yeah. And so that's where my first business, Material Girl Beauty, was literally born. We went to the computer lab like that same evening and started like mocking up names and coming up with logos and all kind of stuff. And so I spent the, the rest of uh, that year really investing all the little money I was making at my internship um, into this product line. And um, again, still skipping class, still trying to meet with quote unquote investors in the city, which I later found out were just guys that wanted to take me and my business partner out to lunch. So oh, you no. know, it, was, <laughs> it was just a disaster. Um, and so we were not business people. We did not have marketing chops at all. And needless to say, we failed to really sell more than a handful of products, even though we spent all this time and money developing like literally a hundred units of products. So um, I was devastated that the business wasn't going anywhere. And I was also devastated because all that skipping class was starting to catch up with me and I lost my scholarship for failing to meet the GPA minimum. So I was really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And um, I got it in my mind that I would take out credit cards in order to build my credit because my parents were adamant, like, look, lady, you lost your scholarship. You'd either come home to Detroit or figure it out because we're not about to pay for your college education. And so I was in love with D.C. and was like, no, I'm not coming home. And so I thought it would be a bright idea to take out credit cards to build my credit so that I could take out loans. Mm -hmm. um, so. <laughs> So, uh, you know, fast forward, I ended up with like three cards maxed out. Um, I was struggling to pay for school and still now cover my rent that I had to cover because I wasn't living in the dorms anymore. That was covered by the scholarship. So I had to like work all these odd jobs and it was just a, a nightmare. And uh, someone in the administration building knew my passion for entrepreneurship and had pity on me. And there was a conference that was coming um, in San Francisco and they were sending out a notice to um, all the different um, HBCUs and other colleges around the country to nominate a female student who would be a good candidate to get kind of like a mentorship while at this conference. And so they threw my name in the hat and I was selected. And so I got to go to San Francisco and hang out with 15 other budding female entrepreneurial students. And they really rolled the red carpet out for us. They gave us a mentorship in between the sessions and we actually got the chance to uh, sit with a life coach and so I had never I didn't even know what a life coach was never met one before didn't know anything but she kept raving about this book think and grow rich and I was really drawn to listen to her because though she was much older than me her story in terms of feeling rock bottom um, nearing bankruptcy her and her husband at one point almost divorced like you know I was I was really resonating with that kind of rock bottom um 
mental or uh, experience that she had gone through, she had said that the book Think and Grow Rich had really changed her mindset and really helped her get out. Um, and so I went home and uh, researched this book. I checked it out from the library because I didn't have enough money to buy it. And sure enough, on the second chapter, uh, I think on the on the second page of the second chapter, Napoleon Hill, the author, talks about the um, process you have to go through if you want to quote unquote think and grow rich. <laughs> and while the book, um, you know, is about money it's really more so about success and so at that time though it would have been great to quote unquote think and grow rich i was really trying to think and grow my grades back up think and grow back into school think and grow my credit card debt down so i just decided that i was going to apply these principles to every area of my life and see what happens and so um right around this time blogging was getting popular i had a little experience with blogging because i had started one for our, our fair, failed hair care business because i couldn't afford to create like an actual website so i just put up this free little blog from a blogger and i said well you know maybe if i get some accountability as i work to redeem my life and um, get out of credit card debt, get my grades, and really be successful at the business. Maybe I'll stick with it because I'll have people following me, and you know it'll be embarrassing for me to post my goals and for me to not achieve them. And so, thinking of the name of the blog, I said, "Well, I will. I guess I'm the Think and Grow Chick, huh? Because I'm trying to apply this Think and Grow Rich, um, you know, principles to every area of my life. And that's really how Think and Grow Chick was born." And it was crazy because I never intended for it to be a business. I never intended for it to be um, a huge community that it is today. It was almost just kind of like my personal diary. And um, but you know, people found it and they started uh, commenting, and then you know, Think and Grow Chick was born. Wow, isn't it amazing how that happens? And it's funny you talk about the story of your first business because a common theme that I'm seeing with a lot of my guests is for entrepreneurs your business that makes you successful is often not your first business <laughs> whether oh, no. it was a lemonade stand or like doing hair out of your dorm room like that entrepreneurial mindset um, it kicks in in different ways early on and it's only later that you can connect the dots looking backward exactly yeah and you know something else you said made me think of Malik Teal so I just went mm -hmm. to a conference this weekend and she spoke and you know she gave kind of all these um she kind of broke down what a hustler is in her mind. And one of the things she said was a real hustler sees opportunity in negative or low moments. And that reminded me of you. Um, so as you were bouncing back and teaching yourself, when did you realize you could help people and start teaching what you were learning through this process? Yeah, so um, I so I went back home after the conference that year, and the conference was in the summer, so it teed up, you know, with the the fall uh, school year, and I really just went hard applying these principles, sharing my experience, and um, a lot of people were starting to notice what I was doing, and I, I was getting a, a small but modest, you know, modest following, not nearby what I have now, but you know, it was enough where I was getting a little attention, and actually that same conference company that are. Uh, conference organization that had me come out as a student leader the, that one year, they wanted me to come back as um, you know a student leader to lead the new crop of girls who were coming in. And they were very interested in um, how I was uh, creating these principles and um, teaching them in a way that connected with this kind of like millennial audience. And so shortly after I went to the conference the second time, 
they gave me an opportunity. They, I, I didn't even know what uh, this process was. I know it now, but um, they, they allowed me to bid on an RFP. So, you know, they created a request for proposal mm-hmm. uh, for the, the next conference that would happen that following year and allowed me to, de- to develop an entire curriculum, flesh out an entire proposal. And um, the job that I was bidding on was worth like $70,000, which was like, I mean, I was stunned. I was like shaking in my boots. I couldn't believe that they even wanted me to like throw my name in the hat for something like this. And that's really where the light bulb went on. Like, you got to be kidding me. There are organizations that want to pay money for people to just teach like self-help stuff, you know. And I was thinking, well, you know, I did the work to learn these lessons and apply it. But um, the fact that they wanted someone to package it up and provide it to their audience was just incredible. And so um, right around that time, it was uh, the Great Recession. So the housing crisis hit and the nonprofit for that year ended up losing their funding for the conference. So I wasn't able to, you know, be selected and go forward with the proposal. But just the fact that like me in my early 20s at the time, like, you know, was just graduating college at that time, was even, you know, asked to bid on something like that, really sparked the light bulb that like, I might be onto something here, and I should really pursue it as a business. And so I started to be more strategic with, instead of just like learning things and randomly talking about it, thinking more how I can break it down so that others could understand it and create kind of uh, like products and and different things for other people to purchase, um, and really just package up my knowledge and expertise. And so that's really where the business aspect of uh, thinking Grow Chick got rolling. Got it. And so what were some of the first steps you took to start taking Think and Grow Chick from idea to brand and, and start selling that wisdom that you were packaging? Oh, yeah. Well, um, the first thing I had to do was get over my fear of putting myself out there. And so I talk about this in one of my podcasts that for the longest, I always wanted to do a Thinking Grow Chick event, something small, but just anything where I could have an event and have people come out. And um, I really I literally like did not do this for two years because I was just so fearful of what would happen if I promoted this event and I sold tickets and I put down a deposit on a space and did all these things and then no one showed up. And that fear really paralyzed me for a long time and so thinking grow chick itself in terms of a revenue generating entity did not happen until I made that first leap and it's so funny because at the end of the day I actually lost money on the event um, and it wasn't like this like huge success or anything I think maybe 30 people came and you know it was still a good event but it wasn't nearby this blockbuster type thing but I felt like it was the first step that I needed to make in order to eradicate that fear of taking a leap and you know quote unquote what's the worst that can happen and so for me, the quote unquote worst that happened was, okay, I didn't make all my money back. I think I lost like $300 when it was all said and done. But while I was at that conference, it was right before um, Thanksgiving. uh, So this was November 2014. And um, a lot of the women were saying like, oh, wow, you know, we really need help with goal setting and it's the end of the year. And I'm thinking about my New Year's resolution. And that sparked in me the idea to come up with my book. So um, for that Thanksgiving um, week that I was uh, visiting my in-laws and um, just kind of hanging out at the house and not really doing anything, I was working really hard to put this book together. And so from Thanksgiving all the way till Christmas 2014, that gave me the idea for my first product, which ended up being my workbook. And so I launched it in uh, January 2015 and was amazed that like people actually bought it and I was making (laughs) consistent sales. And I was like, I cannot believe I just, you know, sold my first few hundred dollars of like this book. It was incredible. So I would say that first step is getting over the fear of what's going to happen if I put this thing out there and nobody likes it and just being willing to um, package up what you know and offer it. 
That's awesome. So what, what was the name of this uh, workbook? Oh, it was the uh, Get What You Want workbook. Oh, it was the Get What You Want workbook. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened after that? Like how, how frequently did you release other products or um, were you kind of, was the ball rolling from then on or did you have starts and stops? Oh man, that, no. <laughs> Once I get started, there is no stop. Um, I, still have, <laughs> I still haven't stopped. The ball is still rolling as we speak now. But um, just to see that initial success with the, the first initial sales of the book just really kind of like spurred me on. And the fact that, you know, I did this event and, you know, I didn't die from it that kind of got me really excited. So the next thing I did was I put together, um, uh, well, two things actually. I put together an event in Atlanta and also you mentioned my leak. So at this time, um, my leak had found out about my blog because I wrote up kind of like a summary of my favorite podcast from her. And I was very strategic and trying to get her to notice it where um, I put her at symbol, her Twitter name in the actual title. Okay. So, you know, the, the title might've been like my favorite podcast from at my leak. And so as my followers started retweeting, you know, the actual blog post and the link to it, she kept getting hit like, you know, a hundred times because people were retweeting the name of um, my blog post. Yeah. And so she ended up checking it out and really liked my writing and kind of the work that I was doing. And so she reached out to me and was like, you know, it would be great if we could do something for the beginning of the year, that would be really cool for, um, you know, our audiences. And so I did um, a master class with her, which was a Google, a two and a half hour Google Hangout, which was really fantastic. And um, we talked about getting on this path in terms of um, online entrepreneurship, especially to really launching your business. Even though I was really green to this whole process, one of the smartest things I did when I did that master class was I collected names and email addresses. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there were, you didn't have to submit your name and email address in order to watch the masterclass, but I had the entire masterclass transcribed, mm -hmm. um, so that people could read my leaks words and I knew they'd be interested in that. And I packaged it up and, uh, into very pretty PDFs. And I said, Hey guys, you know, this guy, this, these notes from our discussion are totally free. The only thing you have to do is enter in your name and email address here in order to get the notes and I'll send them to you once the transcriber is done, you know, transcribing our masterclass. And so from there, you know, all the people who weren't there for me, they were there for my leak, trying <laughs> to get the notes. And that was a great way to introduce all those new people to my brand that I would have missed had I not done that. And so that was perfect because it rolled into this event that I ended up doing in Atlanta. And I was able to market to those people and say, hey, well, you love my leak. Many of you are in Atlanta. I'm actually going to be in Atlanta at the end of January. Why don't you come to this event? And so that event was successful. I did it with my um, friend, Natasha Cole, who also runs um, a business called the Go and Glow Project. She's from Atlanta, and so we partnered. She was kind of my eyes and ears on the ground there. Okay. Was and, that a free um, event? No, it was a paid event. Okay. And um, yeah, we 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 profited from that event. So my first event was like I was in the negative, but this one was in the green. So that was really fun. Um, and we got such a great reception from that event that people kept saying, "Oh, why are you doing it in Atlanta? You should come to Chicago. You should come to New York. You should come to all these places." And one of our followers on Instagram, she had uh, mentioned us, and she was like, "Well, can you just do it online? Because I'm a military wife, and I'm in Korea or somewhere or Japan, and it doesn't really matter where you do it because." I won't be able to go because I'm overseas. And so that sparked our, another thought. We were like, hmm, that's not a bad idea. So we stayed up all night one night, literally for four hours, and recorded the entire workshop again together over Skype, packaged up the videos, and then we offered our Launcher Life masterclass um, that we did. And that was like, I would say, outside of my book, the first digital product and first launch that I ever did for my business. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we again made like 
over a thousand dollars in like 48 hours and I mean it was ridiculous like I, I felt like I was the richest person in the entire world <laughs> so what was the price point for that course um, out of curiosity just $27 okay and we figured it was a good deal because the actual conference we had charged I think it was like $35 if you buy tickets in advance and $50 at the door so you know we were like hey it's digital it's a good deal you know 27 bucks and people really took us up on that so at this point, you know, when you wrote that post about my league, what was your email list like and what was your social media following like? Um, very, very small. So uh, my Facebook following had was stopped maybe at around, man, I, I want to, I don't want to shortchange myself. I can't, I want to say either 1800 or 3000. I can't remember how many fans I had at that time, but I mean, okay, let's even just say if it was 3000 but I distinctly remember that my Instagram was small and um, it was about the same size as my email list and so and Instagram was less than a thousand it might have been like uh, six or seven hundred and my email list was 600 at that time as well and I know that specifically because I had a friend who um, we would kind of Skype and she was a little ahead of me in business and she would like kind of check in on me and say like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And she would always ask like, how's your email list? And before, like months previous, I was like, well, I don't even have an email list. I don't get it. Like I'm already writing blog posts. Why would I write, send emails? And she's like, no. <laughs> she's like, no, you need to have an email list. And she's like, look, just work really hard to get your first 600. If you can get 600 people on that list, you'll do good. And so that was like my goal for all of 2015. And so I was really excited that, um, you know, I, I had hit around 600 for both the email and then for my Instagram following. Oh, that's that's awesome. So talk to us about other first steps in terms of did you trademark Think and Grow Jig at this point? Um, had you set up a business structure? Like what what other things did you do? Well, because uh, this whole business idea came to fruition with me um, submitting or uh, responding to the RFP for that company, I did a lot of these business structures ahead of time because I needed to be like instantly legit in order to, for because I knew they weren't going to write a check to me in my name. They were going to write it to my business and everything needed to be um, together. So actually before I even uh, left school that year when I was graduating um, college and I was in talks with them about doing this uh, $70,000 like uh, curriculum development thing, I had gone down to, um, it's the DCRA in DC, I forget what it's called, uh, Consumer Regulatory Affairs or, and submitted all the paperwork for, um, you know, all of that and got it, my, uh, my LA and all that set up so I've had it for a long time I just wasn't doing anything with it but it came in handy once I started making money in my business name and you know needed to get a business bank account and all of that it was very handy that I had all of those things set in place okay cool and you know we've been talking about think and grow chick but let's take it back for a second and talk about the side hustle um, yes. Yes. Because I remember you used to talk about in posts like wanting, like the goal was to leave the job. So mm -hmm. how long did you side hustle before you made the leap? And how did you juggle your nine to five and growing brand? Well, yeah. So we're actually at that point now. So I'm leaving in October, which is really exciting. I, <laughs> I cannot believe it. Yeah. So, um, well, I've been doing Think and Grow Chick. I mean, I started the website in 2009, incorporated in 2011. So I have been at this for a long time, but I didn't make my first dollar until January of 2015, as you heard. I actually lost money in Thanksgiving 2014. So, you know, I didn't make any money until January 2015. And so we're August now. So what's that? A year and eight months. Um, so then, so when I quit, it'll be 
22 months total, um, really on this journey and, um, managing, oh my goodness, this stuff on the side is like, <laughs> it is, it is not for the faint of heart. I so know, I don't that's where I am like, now. Oh. Yeah. That's where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's totally easy and, you know, everybody can do it. And I do think everybody can do it, but you're going to have to have tight, tight systems. And so if there's nothing else that I've learned from um, entrepreneurship is self-discipline. And so I know for me, if I get up even at 5.05, like if I get up minutes past 5 o'clock when I'm supposed to be getting up in the morning, you know, my day is shot because I really have such a small margin for error because there is so much that needs to be done before work and then maximizing your lunch breaks and then when you're getting off work and then dealing with clients and then um, having the time to create products. And so um, I've really just been super duper effective with my time, like down to opting to take the bus to work instead of driving so that I can work on my laptop on my hotspot on my phone, you know, and maximize that 30 minutes or whatever that it takes me to get there and 30 minutes to get back. So just being extra diligent with time and I think if you notice how much time you waste on other things you'd be amazed at how much time you actually have to do these things but then also buying your time and I think that's where a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the bootstrap phase get caught up because when you're first getting started you're in very much like save money mode so like how can I cut corners well can I just do my website myself with this template can I create you know my logo myself in Canva it's like what ways can I save money and just do things myself but you're gonna hit a point if your business is growing and this is a good thing if you hit it where you will be totally tapped out and so I started to see that at the end of 2015 where it was like I can't do, like, I can't be the graphic designer, the web developer, the customer service response person, and then in my personal life, I can't be the maid, I can't be the chef, I can't, like, I can't do all this. And so um, I had to take a leap of faith, and I talk about this all the time um, in my uh, community group that I have online, my accountability group, and in my emails, because I don't think people get it, like, um, your, your financial mindset, financial responsibility is, is different. There are different habits when you're in business. Obviously, for your personal finances, you think about like, yes, you want to save money and do those things. You don't want to spend willy-nilly. And as a consumer, it can be very easy to think like, no, spending money is bad. Like, I need to save everything. But when it comes to business, in order to grow, in order to make more money, you need to be wise about it. So you don't want to spend recklessly, but you need to be willing and judicious about what you spend your money on. And so um, I had to take that stretch of like, this is how much I'm doing now. If I want to do more than this, I have to spend in preparation for where I want to go. And so I started to get um, a housekeeper coming to the house. I hired my first assistant, which was like crazy. I started, um, I paid for um, a graphic designer and logo designer to do some initial templates for me. So I wasn't constantly recreating the will. And I mean, it was scary, you know, spending that amount of money every single month for that help. But because I now had someone to answer my email, someone to you know clean my house for me every other week, um, all these things, it freed up so much more time for me to grow the business exponentially. And so that allowed me to make way more than what I was spending in outsourcing and um, you know grow from there. And so um, that's really what has helped me really manage the nine to five world and the business world is just being willing to to be extra extra disciplined with the time you do have and then buy the time you don't have by getting outside help okay and would you recommend that for entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who haven't made their first dollar <laughs> should you hold back on getting that help or do what you need to do to buy yourself more time 
Um, I would definitely say hold back on getting um, reoccurring like um, like uh, assistant help or whatever. So I, I wasn't hi- I didn't hire a virtual assistant until I made my first dollar. So you know you do want to have revenues to support those things. So uh, I put it like this: if you're financing your business from your paycheck at this point, um, then you want to use that money into things that is going to give you revenue in your business. And then once revenue is coming consistently, even if it's not much, even if it's just five hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month, then use that money to start to pay for outs- outsourcing or out outside help. Um, the one thing I do recommend people do like right from the get go and whatever, my husband still thinks I'm like a prima donna for it, but I don't know. I'm just a stickler about having a clean house. Like I feel like I can't think if the house is Oh messy. my gosh. My, when my fiance <laughs> hears this, he's going to be like, she's you. <laughs> it's, I, it's crazy. Like my whole productivity is literally tied to whether there are towels on the floor and dishes Thank in the sink, you. even if I'm in a different room, it just is. And so, you know, I, I fought and fought with my husband I was like look I'm about to be going to work every day and not having some of my hard-earned hours and you know the income that I'm bringing in dedicated to what I need to be at peace you know at home as I build my business and so I did fight with him on making sure that I got a housekeeper Um, now she comes every week but before when it was just the house or household money financing it um, I said I lobbied for every other week and so that was one expense I did take on before I actually had revenue coming in the door but I mean again it just allowed me even if you if you clean for four hours on a Saturday imagine how much you could be doing in those four hours when it comes to so I would recommend making the investment in that right and yes as a side hustler Saturday is a key day you just don't have time to spend four hours cleaning on a Saturday absolutely not Um, don't you don't so speaking of finances how did you financially prepare for entrepreneurship so you're getting ready to leave in October and um I hope they know that (laughs) because this is gonna air before then (laughs) Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but to like, how much did you save, or how much were you earning per contract before you said I'm never, or per product before you said I'm never going to look for traditional full time again, and I'm leaving my current nine to five. Yeah. So, um, I mean, now we're at the point where I'm, you know, beyond clearing my salary and and then some and all of that. But I think um, even if your salary is one thing, you need to think about like what you actually need to get by. And so my husband and I, we sat down and we discussed like, you know, it's great that I might make, you know, X amount of money at work, but realistically, you know, what is it that we actually need in order for us to maintain the lifestyle or close to it and, you know, still hit our savings goals and that kind of thing. And you'll find that um, it's it's typically a little less than what you're bringing in. You know, if, if you can do without cable or some of the other things, then you might only need, um, I don't know, 75% or like 80% of the actual salary that you're bringing home. So I would come up with that number and then um, the factors that I use is I would multiply that number times um, about 20% and I do that for, or actually 20 to 30% depending, and I do that to cover your expenses and your marketing. So obviously in business, all the money that you bring in is not all the money that you get to keep. You have expenses. Um, If you have an online business, your expenses are going to be like way lower than it would be if you had a brick and mortar, but you still do have to pay for things. And even now for me, I would say my fixed cost, um, 
are probably around like a thousand dollars, maybe give or take or a little more just with uh, the technology that I use and the software and the different applications that help me run my business on autopilot. So, um, you know, that's to the scale that I've gotten at this point when I was beginning, it definitely wasn't that it was probably like, you know, low few hundreds, um, especially when I didn't have an assistant, but just keeping in mind that some of that income needs to be dedicated towards, um, your expenses. So that is within the 30%, but then the bulk of that 30%, or 20%, depending on how you play with it, it's gonna be marketing for reinvestment back into your business. And marketing is huge, especially in the current climate online. You know, the internet is big, but the amount of people doing things on the internet is even bigger. And so mm-hmm. if you if you wanna have a fighting chance to be seen online, to be visible, you're gonna have to put some money in some sort of advertising, some sort of like paid marketing initiative to get your brand out front. And so you never want to be in a position where you don't have money to reinvest in that. So that's where the 20 to 30% comes in. And then after that, then you want to add another 25% on top of that. And that's going to be for your taxes. So, you know, again, we go back to not your salary, but what you actually need to like to live on and be okay. And, you know, even if it means ramen noodles, it's, it's really about the sacrifice you choose to make in order to run your business full time. But whatever that amount is, then multiply it by 20 to 30 percent, depending on how big your expenses are in your business, and um, you know having a little bit for marketing, and then multiply that number by 25 percent for your taxes, and that's the number that you would need to clear on a consistent basis in order to be prepared to leave your job. Um, and then in terms of savings, I say you know just follow the general saving principles that everybody should be doing regardless um, of whether you have a business or not. So um, I got out of debt in the beginning because I followed like the Dave Ramsey methodology. So I still you know have a, a soft spot in my heart for you know what he teaches because it was very helpful. Um, but he always talks about first and foremost you want to have like a super duper like mini emergency fund, which is like $1,000. If you live in a more expensive city than maybe like $2,000, that can just cover you if you have like your tire blows out or something like that. And then after you get that saved, then you wanna have at least three months worth of expenses just in general. And again, this is for everybody, not just those who are entrepreneurs. So I would say try your best to hit um, those numbers so that you know, as you're building your business, there are fluctuations. Um, so some months are going to be like gangbuster months and then other months it's going to be a little slower. And so if you're finding that, you know, every month you're not always hitting whatever that number is that you came up with, then you have some savings to kind of cover you while you're still building your business and getting it to a consistent place. Got it. That was really good advice. Um, I, I wrote that down. I actually, I've read the Susie Ormans and right now I'm taking, um, I'm doing the Live Richer Challenge from yeah, the Budget Nista. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I haven't um, actually gotten Dave's advice, so I took that down also. Um, but speaking of finances and, and still this whole process of structure in your life to get ready mm-hmm. for entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. when you think about your business and all the different things that you're going to offer under the umbrella of Think and Grow Chick. Did you also map that out? Like, do you know how many courses or how many products you want to deliver per month for the next 12 months? How are you estimating your income? Yeah, um, in terms of offerings, that's kind of like loosely determined. I don't have a super hard like, yes, we're going to offer X amount every month, but it's kind of based on um, the portfolio that I want to have in terms of offering. So from a personal development, like, you know, life coaching side, and I, I feel like my business almost has, is like a triangle, like it has three angles where uh, the bulk of what I do is a, a centered around personal development, but I also focus on business development and then, um, you know, money mindset and economic empowerment and all of that. So, 
um, for the, the personal development, I just think about what are the pillars that are personally um, uh, just really important to me. So self-discipline is a big one because it was such a big part of my story. Um, having a positive mindset, all of those things. Time management because I wouldn't, none of this would be possible without excellent time management skills. So those are the things that I'm passionate about teaching women and teaching people in their lives. And so I'm always asking myself, the portfolio of offerings that I have, does it cover everything that I feel is personally necessary in order for me to fulfill my mission and what I'm doing at Think and Grow Chick? And so even if the answer is yes, meaning, oh yes, I do have products that cover all of those different things, do I have the necessary levels for people based on where they are in their journey? So people who are very, very new to this and they're super beginners or um, they're not yet at a point where they can you know, invest a lot of money in their personal development, do I have products that covers all of those things that, you know, is for a very affordable, um, you know, offering? And then for people who want something more robust, they want to work with me for, you know, weeks or maybe even months. I, ha I have one woman who's a business client of mine and the program she's in right now is six weeks and we just had our first call and she's like, yeah, and by the way, like I already know I want to work with you for six months, so can you give me that package? And I'm like, oh, now I got to like go to the drawing board and like put that package together. <laughs> so. So you do wanna have offerings that covers like both ends of the spectrum. So um, that's really how I come up with what I'm gonna you know, offer is, is do I feel like what I have is comprehensive enough? Now, in terms of my um, income and just managing you know, uh, my revenue, and it's funny because before I even got on this um, call with you, I was talking with my husband about like uh, cash flow management and projections, and he's like, I'm, I'm gonna do the spreadsheet for you. You know, I want you to see all this stuff. Um, I, I gauge my income based on the offerings that are what I would consider like my foundational offerings, so things that I, I know are always going to come in. For me, a big thing um, that has been like, oh my goodness, so helpful, a lifesaver, and something that I always recommend people look into, especially if you have an online business, is having a sales funnel. And a sales funnel is a... It's, it's not like a real thing, like an actual tangible thing, but it's a process, a back-end process that you have in your business where uh, people can engage with some free content that you have, get on an email list that you have, get a part of a, an automated email sequence that is strategically inviting them to take advantage of an offering that you might have that is related to whatever the free thing is that they signed up for. And so you don't necessarily need just one sales funnel. You can have a sales funnel for every product that you offer. And so the big boys who are playing online, that's typically how they're doing it and how they're hitting you know, these five and sometimes six figures every month is because they have these massive sales funnels where they're getting thousands of people to engage with their content every month and they're selling you know, whatever products on the back end. So I have a few sales funnels. I'm gonna continue to build them out for all of my products, but I have a few that are really solid that bring me you know, a few thousand every month that I don't really have to worry about. I know just as long as they're turned on and as long as all the links work, you know, everybody, you know, people go through them and they get their products and they're happy, it's automated, I don't have to deliver anything. The most I have to do is maybe like some customer service inquiries, like someone says, hey, I bought this thing, but you know, I, the link is expired or something, then I'm you know, resetting the link for them, um, that sort of thing. So that helps me with um, you know, some baseline numbers. And then I think about, um, um, my coaching opportunity. So I work with a lot of clients, both for life coaching and for business coaching. And so I think about my own time capacity, how many clients can I take on every month in both arenas, in the business arena and in the personal development arena, and am I maxing out those spots every single month? And so while my sales funnels are kind of like my safety net, you know, the manual work is of me 
prospecting, reaching out to people who have expressed interest in what I have to do, um, making offers to my community, sending out emails saying, hey guys, I have four spots available in my you know, mentorship program this month, you know, uh, sign up, use this application if you want to join. Um, and so inviting people to, um, to get into that process. And I can typically gauge how many, um, if I'm gonna be able to fill all of those spots based on how many people I have applying for those spots to begin with. So obviously you talk to everybody and everybody's not gonna sign up. You know, everybody might not be right for it or they're like, oh, you know, I wanna do it, but this month's not good, let's talk next month, that kind of thing. So I know, okay, if I can get 10 applications this month, there's a good, I have a reasonable probability based on, uh, you know, my history and filling these programs that four people are gonna go ahead and sign up for the program. And so that's how I basically gauge my income is, one, is the sales funnel working? And then two, am I making enough offers so that I'm getting enough prospects so that I am going to end up working with a portion of the people who apply? Got it. And I'm glad you mentioned sales funnel because <laughs> that leads me to this whole question of, um, you know, you really have a great relationship with your target audience. You seem to mm -hmm. know exactly who they are, where mm -hmm. to find them and are continuing to grow it. How do you do that? I'm a member of your Facebook group, so obviously oh, awesome. I'm biased. <laughs> but yeah, how did you initially figure out who your target audience was and um, how are you continuing to grow that community? Oh man, so if you can believe it, when I, and you can ask some of the people who have been around with Thinking Girl Chicken in the beginning, um, I think, I don't know, I just say this because I feel like people don't, um, they overlook like the obvious stuff because there's so many like gadgets and whizmos and different like cool, super cool techniques to do online. But honestly, I sent emails in the beginning, especially when my email list was really small. And I said, Hey guys, I'm developing some new content, coming up with some new products. I'm really excited. Um, but I want to know uh, more about you and what you're struggling with. So if you're interested and in having a 15 minute Skype call with me like just reply to this email and we'll set it up and I literally did Skype calls with like a good 20 women maybe more and these were not consultation calls these were not like oh you want to join my program it was literally like let's get on the phone for 15 minutes and I'm going to pick your brain about what you're dealing with and so as I um, did that I noticed that while people had different things that they were going through, some people were in grad school and had like self-doubt issues around where they're gonna pass their exams. Other people were trying to move up in their career. Other people wanted to start business. I noticed that there were like themes running through the things that all of these women were telling me. And so I would literally take notes on all the calls. And so I started organizing everything that everybody said into certain categories. And then once I found out what those categories were, like say I heard from a lot of women that they, um, they have big goals but they continue to doubt themselves, then I would keep my ears open for every time someone online mentions self-doubt at all. So even if somebody else, like even if another life coach, like let's say she came out with a blog post or a podcast all about self-doubt, I would read the comments to her post to see what other people were saying. And if there was anybody in the comments thread that seemed like they would be a, a part of my community or that they were kind of like the women that I was targeting, then I was taking notes on what they were saying. And so I was asking myself, you know, the problems that she's expressing, are these things that I can solve? And if so, how? And so that's where um, you'll notice that, that at that point in my business and in my brand, I started creating a lot of different worksheets, um, pro uh, my procrastination purge. And I mean, all of that was literally just me eavesdropping 
well, first asking people to, to give me, you know, what they were dealing with and then organizing all of that and then eavesdropping elsewhere online to find out, you know, more deeply about that information and then creating free stuff, honestly, first. Like my self-discipline program, which I would say is probably my best-selling product to date. Like I've sold, like, I got to look at it, but I think it might be over $15,000 like worth of that program. It's insane. That first started off as a free challenge that I did based on, again, eavesdropping and just hearing what people were listening or what they were dealing with. And the free challenge was so successful. I was like, how can I make this more robust and turn this into a paid product? And that's exactly what I did. So nice. that's my I yes. love the concept of eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's right up my alley because I joke <laughs> with my friends that I'm a social media stalker. How I found you. But, um, you have the skills already. <laughs> how did you find those initial like 20 women to talk to were they people who found your blog and were on your email list through that yeah they were they were already on my email list um so this was at that time where i said i had maybe like 600 or so on okay. my list um i just i just sent out emails like hey y'all want to talk but yeah. um even if you don't have an email list if you have any kind of content that people are engaging in so they're leaving comments on your blog post they're um, leaving comments on your podcast they are commenting on your facebook and on your instagram i would privately message those people back especially the ones that you you notice over and over again. So I feel like every brand has like their ride or dies where you know the names, like you see them, they comment on every post or yeah. I would start private messaging your ride or dies and just saying like, hey, you know, I love your support and you know, I just want to learn more about you. I think it's going to help me come up with, you know, even more content that will help you, which is true because that's part of the reason why you're doing it. And just say like, would you mind having like a 15 minute Skype call where I can just ask you some questions? And they'll probably like love that because they already love you. And um, then you get more information because you get to hear it in their own words. And that's the important thing. I think when you're on the other side and you're trying to provide something for people, you as the expert, even if you don't see yourself as an expert, but even if you essentially are a few steps ahead of your audience. So because you've already gone through it, there are certain things that you are forgetting, that you're missing, that you don't think is a big deal. And so sometimes it helps to have someone who's currently going through it right now feed their problem back to you in their own words because then you're like oh one I didn't know that she was struggling with that and two I didn't know that she described it in that way um and that becomes very helpful when you're creating you know content in the future absolutely so before we get into the lightning round I wanted to get your perspective a little bit on mastermind so one of the things you attribute to your success is your mastermind group. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. What is a mastermind group to you and how did you identify your group members? Yeah, so um, a mastermind is something that I first learned about when I was reading Think and Grow Rich. And um, really it's just a collection, a collection or group of like-minded individuals who are all aspiring to achieve various goals. And this group kind of holds them each other accountable and they bounce ideas off of each other. And um, it's just like everybody's like mental juices are flowing and it just creates, you know, amazing um, ideas. And you just tend to move faster when you are um, connected with other people who are moving on the fast track as well. And so masterminds have been 
so essential for me at every area of my business. I mean, and it doesn't have to be a big group. Like a mastermind could be as big as like two people, like you and another person. And often in the beginning, that's exactly what it was. And so I think one thing that I've been um, very good at and that I recommend more entrepreneurs do, especially women entrepreneurs, is not have this mindset of like, oh, she's doing something similar to what I'm doing, therefore she's my competition. I never had that mindset. I know that we're all unique in our own ways. And so even if we do the same thing, technically we have our own flavor and our own spin to it. And so I was drawn to other women who were also in the space who were doing something similar and I just developed relationships with them. And many of these women um, I've had the opportunity to meet in person, but in the beginning we had developed relationships over Skype, you know, for months before we both were in the same city and could actually say hi. And so it was really cool over Skype to mastermind with, you know, groups of women who were doing the same thing and just kind of bounce ideas. You know, if I learned something being able to share what I learned and them doing the same for me and us just holding each other accountable. Um, for instance, uh, and it's a back and forth thing too. Like I told you the one friend in the beginning who I would mastermind with, she was like, look, like you got to get your email list up to 600. And so I was like, Oh, you know, okay. But because of her, I got down on that path. And now my email list, I have over 20,000 women on my email list. And so it was cool because now she's come back to me and she's like, yo, you took my advice and you ran with it. Like I need <laughs> I need to know what you're doing. And I'm like, no problem. And so I'm, I'm now in a position to give that information and that advice back. So it's this very fluid, like that's how it's different from mentorship. It's more like peer, but you guys are like always passing information back and forth and like helping each other get to the next level. Yeah. And I, I attribute even starting this podcast to my uh, mastermind group. You know, I, myself, I meet monthly with a group. It's uh, four of us now of women and that they kind of, came organically from my circle. So if there are women who want to start their own mastermind and don't know where to find um, find like-minded people, I would one, recommend joining uh, Courtney's Think and Grow Chick Facebook group because there yeah. are a lot, <laughs> a lot of like-minded women in that community. Um, so definitely check that out. So now I want to transition into the lightning round of this podcast. And yes. the drill is you answer the first thing that comes to mind. So you ready? Yes. All right. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Oh, man. Um, there are so many. So it's like, how can I choose? I would say my favorite is Trello. Trello is like, there's not a, oh, there's a few actually. Well, well, I'll give like, how about three? So um, Trello is something that I use every single day. Um, and Workflowy is something that I use every single day. And an app called Todoist is something that I use every single day. And so we talk about how do you manage this if you have a job and how do you keep things going. Trello is like a fantastic project management tool that allows you to uh, or visually organize things. Um, Workflowy is like a list maker, like on Overdrive. And so I outline all of my blog posts, all of my podcasts, all of my paid programs, like nothing comes out into fruition before it's gone through Workflowy because it allows me to like just brain dump and then organize things in a way that makes sense. And so people always comment like, oh, Courtney, I love your content. It's so clear and actionable. Well, that's because I've organized it in 
and workflow to be that way. So that's why I love that app. And then Todoist is my favorite to-do list. So um, a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur, you have a gazillion different things to do, but you get caught up because they're all related to different projects. So you might have some things to do with building your email list, but then something else to do with networking and reaching out to this person. And so if you just write on pen and paper, it can kind of feel like a jumbled mess because you don't know what's the priority and you're not quite quite sure you can't remember what it's tied to. Todoist is really cool because you can organize all your to-do lists by like various projects that you can create. And so you'll know at an instant, you might have five things that got to get done today. Your day, you know, got shot. And so now you only have time to do one. You can quickly identify which of those things is actually the highest priority based on the number one thing you got to get done or you got to move forward in your business. So Trello, Workflowy, Todoist. Great. Um, And I'll link to all of those in the show notes, guys. So number two, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Getting up early, hands down. How do you you do it? (laughs) You gotta do it. People hate when I say it. They're like, no, I'm a night person. I'm like, I feel you. I was one of those people that didn't wake up and that stayed in bed until like 10, 30, 11 on the weekends and didn't wake up until five minutes before I had to be somewhere, but you just have to do it. And so how I got started was I kind of backed myself into the time that I needed to wake up in increments. So in the beginning where it was a struggle for me to get up at 7 a.m., I would like for a week just force myself to, when my eyes open at 7 a.m., put your feet on the floor. Like that was the only thing. Even if I went back to bed later, I just needed to get in the habit of putting my feet on the floor. And then it was like, okay, put your feet on the floor and actually stand up. And so you train yourself that when your eyes open, when the alarm clock goes off, you actually get up. And once you're consistently getting up as soon as the alarm clock goes off, then you can set it back in five or 10 minute increments every week. So seven o'clock soon became 6.50, 6.50 became 6.45, 6.45, 6.35. And you know, within a matter of months, I was waking up at 5 a.m. and it was no problem because I kind of like gradually eased myself into it. Ah, that's a nice process. I will try that as well. I do get up early, but um, the snooze button is my friend. So we're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, what's the best pod? What's the best book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? I'll give you both. So the best book that I've read this year is actually The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. Um, And it's kind of funny. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his. I read Think and Grow Rich. But I've had um, The Laws of Success for a while. I think I bought it at the same time that I bought Think and Grow Rich. But I never read it because this book is literally like 700 pages. It's like, who's got time to read that? Mm -hmm. However, here's a little tip for everybody. Um, I found that the ebook, or I'm sorry, the audio book of The Law of Success was available for free on Spotify. And if you search for audiobooks on Spotify, you'll find a lot of them. And so I think I listened to the entire Laws of Success in a week when I was like working out at the gym. And that book is so good. Like, I honestly think it's better than Thinking Grow Rich. It's like really amazing. So I definitely recommend that people read or listen to The Laws of Success. And then a new podcast um, that I've discovered that I'm really enjoying is um, Eric Thomas. Uh, he's also known as the E.T., the hip hop preacher. Yes. He's got a podcast. And I mean, I love everything this man puts out. He's so aggressive and just like on it. But it's called the Secret to Success podcast. And I mean, he's got some really, really good episodes. So I definitely recommend people check out that. Okay. And how does one break into and stand out? in the personal development space now. I know even since you get got started, it's become even more crowded. So what uh-huh. tips do you have? 
I would say think about um, what attracts you to it and what's your unique quality that you can offer to the space and also what's a gap that you notice. So when I got started, um, I was would sit in Barnes and Nobles for like 10 hours a day and like read Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and all these different books. And I mean, they were good and I would get super pumped up and I would go home, but then I wouldn't like do the actual things that they said to do or I would just feel motivated and then, you know, there was nothing really actionable. And so I remember... Um, thinking to myself almost out loud that if I ever figured out this personal development game, I was going to one present it in a way that was easy for like women like me. So, you know, young millennial, like, you know, cool. We like things kind of in a certain way, um, presented in a way that was understandable and relatable to us. But also I was committed to breaking things down. And part of that is because you know, I do kind of have an engineer's mind, like even though I, I didn't go uh, pursue engineering, I, you know, dropped out and went to marketing. Uh, part of the reason why I initially had a good aptitude for it was because I am an analytical thinker. I am intensely practical. I do like to break things down. So that was me applying who I am and then just what irked me about what was currently going on in personal development and saying, well, you know what, I'm going to do it the millennial way. So I told myself I would be like, Tracy Ellis Ross meets Tony Robbins. And then two, <laughs> I would break it down in such a way that it would be crystal clear, super actionable, and that people could actually get results. They wouldn't just be motivated and then you know have the motivation fizzle out. So that was kind of how I differentiated myself because I saw something that wasn't being done in the space and just decided to be the one to do it. So I would say, think about what is what makes you passionate about personal development. What kind of uh, aggravates you about the way people are currently doing personal development, what's unique about you, your background, just your, your strengths, and how can you kind of mix all of that in like, you know, your own little uh, magic formula that you can apply on the industry and then use that to set yourself apart. Got it. And finally, as the think, as, as think and grow chick, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? Oh man, um, one, understand that you can do it and even if things don't work out, like what's the worst that can happen? The worst that could happen is that you have to temporarily go back and get a different job. And despite what people will say about the economy and all of this stuff, there are jobs everywhere. And even you mentioned Mylik in our um, masterclass, she said at the time when she was breaking out into entrepreneurship, everybody was saying, and I think this was during the housing crisis, everybody was saying like, oh my goodness, employment numbers are horrible. Like you don't want to do that. You, you know, you can't get a job if you have to come back. You know, unemployment is 20%. And she was like, why are we focusing on the negative? If 20% of the people are unemployed, and that means 80% of the people have jobs. And so it's the same way. Despite what people will tell you, jobs are exceedingly abundant in our, in our economy. You can always get one if you want one. So don't let that fear make you feel like you can't step out because if it doesn't work out, then, you know, heaven forbid, you won't have a job. Like, trust me, you can find one. Um, but then second, I would say invest in um, the education and not just like uh, signing up for courses or coaches or whatever, but I think one gap that I see a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the beginning failing at is that they don't accurately diagnose what it is that they need for their business. So um, spend a lot of time actually before you make an investment in a program, in a coach, or even before you invest in a tool or a VA or whatever it is you think you need for your business to get really clear on what is the one thing that you're missing that's going to get you to the next level and what's something that is going to fill that gap for you and then commit to it. So, you know, accurately diagnose. And then if you decide, okay, my issue is that, um, 
I don't have a large enough email list or I'm not super visible, devote your time, your attention and your money to just figuring out that problem and commit to those, commit to whatever path you choose until you figure it out. Like I see too many people jumping from thing to thing to thing like, oh, I signed up for this program because it's going to teach me this. And then I signed up for this because it's going to teach me that. And then they wonder why, you know, they're not moving forward. So mm-hmm. diagnose yourself accurately and then, you know, drill deep and make the necessary investments, whether that's financial or time wise or, you know, whatever you need to do to get that gap covered. Thank you. Such good advice. So <laughs> finally, what's next for Courtney and what's the best way to stay in touch with you after this episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's so much um, that I'm going to be coming out with in 2017. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'm looking to do um, a monthly membership for people who are on this conversation and on this journey. So, you know, building their business, something that's really affordable that, you know, they can kind of get the support that they need on a monthly basis. So I'll be rolling out with that, which is going to be fun. I'll be doing more in-person events. So this year was like a huge travel year for me, speaking engagements. Um, So I'm going to be launching a lot of my own thinking grow chick branded events in various cities so definitely look out for that and um yeah i just got like a ton in store so if you want to be a part of it i would recommend that everybody go to thinkandgrowchick.com slash join and from there you can join my accountability group um, which is the facebook group where we have over 4,000 like-minded women who are all very serious about their goals and then as well you'll be on my email list and you'll be the first to be notified about all this cool stuff that i have coming down the pipe Awesome. And the best way to keep in touch with you? Oh, um, you can follow me on Instagram, I would say. I really, Instagram is where I hang out the most. So my handle on Instagram is think, T-H-I-N-K, the letter N, and then grow, G-R-O-W, chick, C-H-I-C-K. So yeah, say hi to me on Instagram. All righty. And with that, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair, Courtney. It's been extremely educational and valuable Oh, it was a joy being here. (laughs) Awesome. All righty. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me online at SideHustlePro.co and on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SideHustlePro. Talk to you next week.